You're listening to The Life of Try. It's triathlon for your ears. Working. It's not working. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I tuned in for a couple of episodes, yeah, so I realised that. I'm battling. Um, so, uh, <laughs> nice, to, nice to finally chat to you, though. I, I feel like we've been chasing each other and on yeah. Twitter forever. Um yeah, it does feel like that. Yeah, it's been a busy time though, hasn't right. it? Triathlon world. Yeah, the last couple it really of months. is. Um, it's just, I mean, we're we're really crazy here because every five minutes we get locked down and unlocked, and you know, we finally got unlocked. I think Sunday was number eight. I think for me, um, and it's you know, like Good triathlon grief. in this country's messed up. Like nobody's doing anything. Um, we're lucky to have sporting professional sporting events are still going on, but really in one state, I think in WA, they're still doing it. So they may get Ironman Western Australia moving. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but, uh, Melbourne 70.3 yeah. got canceled. Um, or uh, let's not say canceled, let's say postponed. Um, you know, which is the buzzword, isn't it? <laughs> straight out the, straight out the Ironman right. playbook. <laughs> um, they've moved that along. Um, but I, I, you know, it was so nice. I, um, I got to get out on my mountain bike today into the forest, which I haven't been for ages because obviously in lockdown, we've got um, kilometre zones that we can't get out of. And uh, and then on the way back up, up the coast, got a surfing on the way in. So I've had a ripping day. I'm just now sitting here talking to uh, Tim Hemming, who's obviously one of the people who respond to you on Twitter, unlike other triathlon people who just seem not to sometimes. Um, and I'm going to call out Brett Cox because he sucks. Um, he, he just comes back with some snarky comment and then says, not really, that he's he's hopeless. He's a useless unit. Um, can I say one thing? Though? I, I was out surfing today and now I've been doing this for a number of years. I think since I was about probably 10 or 11, I've been surfing. I'm an old man now and I'm not that good at it, but I, I, I can go. Okay. Right. But when you go surfing in a swimming wetsuit, you look like an idiot. Um, I'm just going to put that out there. If you're paddling a surfboard with a two times you or a bloody, I don't know, sailfish or whatever, you know, orca or whatever, you look like a tool. So little heads up for people. Um, don't do that. Question for you off right off the bat. Um, if you could pick a celebrity who you reckon would be a decent Ironman, who would it be? Oh my god! We can circle oh, back to it. Like, you got me there. Are you working for? Yeah, is this for the? Is this for the pro pro, pro triathlete well, organization? Is this for their new pro am race? Is this what you're asking? I know it's a lot shorter. But if you had to pick it, like, <laughs> I was thinking about Ironman the other day when I was driving, and I was thinking, and I asked this of Steph Hansen, yeah. and we, I started picking um, Thor. What's his name? Um, um, not Hemsworth, and. Yeah, and then Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth, a yeah. couple of the lads yeah. who who know him up where he lives in Byron just said he's a crap runner, so that disappointed me. Um, and we did talk a little bit about the celebrity a couple of weeks ago with you know with um, uh, we talked about you know when um, Gordon Ramsay came out to Kona and then they had all the sort of stars they were trying to get out each each year. Yeah, I remember Gordon coming out good, there. Wasn't yeah, he? Did, did you see Having the interview he did? <laughs> He, he won the entire press corps in like five seconds. He was a real, you know, he, he came out and he said, he said something like, you know, I got off the plane, I looked down and there was black lava everywhere and now I'm shitting myself. And that was the comment. And everyone's like, oh, he's awesome. You know, 
because there was a lot of controversy. Yeah, he's very disarming in that respect. Oh, yeah, it, there was a lot of controversy. There he is. Yeah, I remember interviewing once for a cover feature for 220 Triathlon a few years yeah. ago, and I so wanted to. I so wanted him to be abrasive. I so wanted to have, be up for the fight, uh, and actually, he's just completely, completely disarming and comp- incredibly charming, yeah. and genuinely just interested. I mean, he, he had a passion. He had a passion for the sport, didn't he? And I suppose away from some of the other stuff, the stresses of his life, even doing Ironman Kona for him is probably just a, just a bit of an escape. Yeah, so, I, I, yeah. I couldn't imagine. I mean, again, here, I'm, we're off topic, but I couldn't imagine working in the kitchen. I'd be that shit. Yeah. A, I, I don't know my way around the kitchen that well, but also just that environment of constantly something hitting you, you know. Um, and then you're right. He comes out to Kona and it's – he just he, – he's such a pro. Like those guys who are nosebleed level celebrities, I reckon, be pretty pretty pro. Have it mull over it. I mean, Daniel Craig yeah. springs to mind too as someone I reckon you could probably get it done. Bond. You know, he's got time on his hands now. Maybe uh-huh. get out and do it. But if this PTO thing, <laughs> yeah, the PTO is going to yeah. work. You reckon? I mean, do you reckon they can't get B graders? Can they? They can't just get some rando from Glee that you never heard of who sat in the second row and sung a couple of songs. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I think, I don't know whether it's as much about. I suppose it's just getting a bit of razzmatazz around it, isn't it? And then trying to draw in some. It's a money-making enterprise as well, isn't it? Those those pro-ams for them, just to try and get some money back yeah. in the pot and just raise the profile generally. I think that's probably what they're trying to do with it. It's an interesting quick that about celebrities because you all you kind of think that while some of them might like the swim and perhaps on the bike, how many of them turn into skinny runners these days? And most of them, they're just they're all about yeah. the aesthetics, aren't they? Wanting to bulk themselves yeah. up and get the look. So. I'm, Exactly, like you were saying about Chris Hemsworth being a, not, I don't know if he is a good runner or not, but how many of them can you see suffering through a marathon? Uh, I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure we get that many. Probably on the women's side, actually, you probably get yeah. some better ones. It seems, it seems better to do, obviously, the short, because you get access to more people. Um, you, you're not, you're not going to get too many of them trying to, you know, give up a um, six months to do yeah, this. Exactly. because. There's no way to train for Ironman. Yeah. There's no – I don't think anybody's come up with a really good way to, you know, I can do a two-hour run in an hour and a half. You know, like you, there's no shortcuts. And if you do shortcuts – No, it's even – yeah, even Ramsey, he, he was talking about his training to me and he had to get it all done by sort of 8 o'clock in the morning before his real day started. It was just like mind-blowing. You see, how do you actually get – I mean, he's probably a little bit of Billy Bullshit with what he was telling <laughs> me, but even at the same at the same time, you're like – he's clearly getting up yeah. at the crack of dawn and he's getting his training in before before the day starts and then that go takes him right through so yeah it's yeah it's uh as i said mate there's no shortcuts mate well, which is why it. we love there's it there's no um if you do get shortcuts you're basically asking for a glow stick you know like you're gonna you're gonna suffer through it and it's gonna implode and, <laughs> and, and that's fine like i yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I also think though that any person i don't the mystique around iron man for me is not it's just not because after you do a couple, you kind of, as even if you do a couple, you kind of go, well, I can get through it. You know, not probably, it's not for everybody, but I reckon the reality show would be the best one where you pick 12 average people and you get them to, um, and they kind of did that, but I'd like to see it done like a, you know, like a proper show where they actually get 12 average people and go, right, are you going to do a Ironman and, and mm-hmm. train them up, you know? 
um, and off they go. I reckon it would be fascinating to see what you would get because I reckon you'd have that. You know, like the biggest lose. I'm not saying you get you know guys and girls who are you know obese, but the transformation and that you know from product A to product B yeah. is massive. I think you're right. And I think what would happen is the, the initial, if they did it initially, it would be great and it would be captivating because they'd be, it would be real, it would be honest and it'd be true. And then within a couple of series, it would turn into Love Island <laughs> and it would just, do you know what I mean? It, it just, this is what happens with all of these TV shows. They start off great. Like oh, yeah. Big Brother, for example, when it was a, initially, when it was a social experiment, it was kind of intriguing. And then within about a couple of series, they just turned it into absolute trash yeah. TV. So I think that's that would be what you know. It becomes more and more over sensationalized. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good idea, man. It's a good idea. You should uh, well, put exactly. The pitch in. I mean, the PTO seemed pretty well funded. They could put a couple of mil into this, and we'll make a show. And you know, you and I could host it. It'd be amazing. But it's funny, <laughs> the the Big Brother in Australia. The first two, there are people who have gone on to very successful media careers off the back of it. And as you said, now it's just something to you want to punch them in the throat when you see them. Um, <laughs> I reckon limited kind of series would be fun. I think, you know, that's a, another way we can get triathlon into the mainstream consciousness. Yeah, I mean, we've got shows over here at the moment, like like yeah, the SAS that, type yeah. shows that they do, where they where they if you got those, yeah, where they, they do get the celebs and they throw them into stuff. So yeah, well, you could certainly do it with Iron Man. I mean, we had one over here where you had the, where they had the load of celebs trying to swim the channel. Oh, right. From England, yeah. England to France, uh, I think that was that's kind of controversial because they put them all in wetsuits. I think when you swim the channel, the idea is you, you do it skins. You don't actually put a wetsuit on. And also, I think they speaking to some of the guys that do take some of the boats across. They were like, "Look, this is just encouraging people to do the most ridiculous things." And I'm not sure it's entirely mm. safe. So, <laughs> a little bit of backlash but, on that. And it's when you when you. Um when you put like when you go do an Ironman, like in, in Australia years ago, you had to qualify. You had to do a half Ironman. Before, this is all before seventy point three, mine. But you had to go and do a, a half uh, Ironman yeah. to qualify for the full Ironman. And it was like I remember each year you'd go to you know various regional races, thinking shit, I've got to get my act together. I'm not going to qualify for Foster. And you you know like I literally remember mm-hmm. in Devonport in Tasmania one year running scared because I thought I was not going to make it. Um, and then you get your golden ticket to Foster, which was Ironman Australia, and this is prior to having three Ironmans in the country. Um, and it's a, I think it's a good way to get people, um, you know, to in order to punch the ticket for the Ironman, you've got to have done a 70.3 somewhere that's valid that gets checked off. Did you have to – Did you? what was your time cut off for qualifying? Well, it was like a roll down. Was at, it, do you position or, do you, or did you just have no, to no, take roll the down box? at Kona. Yeah. They, they, it was like a roll down at Kona. They, they had a presentation and at the end they go, athlete A, I've already qualified or I don't want to go to Foster, roll down, roll down. And then you you sat there on tender hooks the whole time going, I wonder if I've actually done enough. And then if you didn't, you had to try and plan your okay. first half Ironman early enough so that you've got another one to get checked off on. Or qualify. It was pretty full on. Uh-huh, pretty full yeah. on. So that so they could only do that because there was enough demand for the for the full. Yeah. Because right? you got the scarcity of racing over there. There was enough demand for it, and it would otherwise it would have just been a yeah. Sell-out. And it encouraged people to go to regional races as well. To you know, so if you know, yeah, in the middle of nowhere, seventy point three was being run. You went there because it was your qualifier. That was a way you could qualify. Um, and then, and then this is like you know. 
this is lovely we've got you here because your knowledge on this will be far greater than mine but it's it this is the problem with triathlon is because like you know we haven't unified the belts as it were you know we've got um, you know, challenge running races, PTO running races, Super League running races, um, World Triathlon running races. Everybody's running around, and there's no clear. <laughs> so, yeah, and it, look, they're yeah. doing a great. I think triathlon at the moment's in a really interesting spot, which is you know part of the reason that, you know you're here chatting is it really isn't it? It's really for mine. I don't think we're in, we've been in this position for years. It had that boom in Ironman, I reckon, in around about. T- Oh four or five, it was just you know races selling out everywhere, and you couldn't get in anywhere. And I don't know. Now we seem to have all this different type of racing, but it's all starting to spec up. Yeah, certainly specking up. I mean, back in two thousand four, two thousand five, how many races would there have been compared to the options today? Probably, I don't know. You tell me, like mm. a third as many. You certainly wouldn't have had. You wouldn't have had the so many options so so in that plays a part of it as well in terms of what's well, i think this year as well we've got we've got to look at it through sort of covid tinted spectacles haven't we with all of the racing so, so much of the year's gone by with no racing and then we've got it all crammed in to these last few months that's that's made a big difference so we've been saturated and i think next year's going to be it going to be going to really going to tell when the pto up their game they have more events ironman's obviously yeah what's that going to do with its two world championships or even three world championship days. What a challenge going to do. Is Super League going to be back for its September slot? Yeah. Yeah. Lots. I think next year, hopefully, when we don't have a pandemic on, things will start to smooth out and um, should be good. I think so. I think yeah. So. It's like you're right. It's interesting times. It is very interesting. It's, you'd think largely it's heading in the right direction. Yeah. I, I, look, what did you think of um, Sanders v. Fredino? Uh, the the tri battle yeah. royale over in Germany. I thought honestly, and I spoke to Felix, who was um, Jan's uh, sort of, I suppose, business partner, right? Who set up this event, and he, and he was so him and Jan just put put the hands in their own pocket to finance this thing, right? So it was a bit of a punt, and it was just something that the two of them wanted to do, and they wanted to be sat on a beach chatting in 20 years over a beer and some patatas bravas, as Jan was saying, and just looking back on it going, that was a crazy thing mm. that we did. But in terms of it, it wasn't kind of some like money-making scheme or, or, or anything like that for them. It was just something they wanted to do. And also I think Jan wanted to, although it was although it was always billed as that rivalry and that challenge between him and Lionel, I think Jan just wanted to get a really fast time on the board as well. Because um, obviously, you know, the clock's ticking on his career. So uh, overall, uh, I, th- I thought tip of the cap for them to having a go and doing it. There were things I think that they could have done better. And actually speaking to Felix again out in Slovakia after the Collins Cup, he was more critical of it than I think, you know, it's, it's that thing, isn't it? You're often your own yeah. worst, your own yeah. worst critic. Um, and I actually thought it was... Yeah, it was fine. I was it, it was good for them to have a go. It's a bit like this sub seven, sub eight thing. It's like, yeah, why not? Why not give it a go? I don't. Uh, it's very easy to be a naysayer on this stuff, but it's people trying to innovate, test things. It may not happen again, um, but I don't necessarily think we should just be negative about it just because of the fact someone's. Yeah, doing. and that's my that's my default. <laughs> so I I look at this and like, ah, oh, this yeah. is shit, you know, yeah. and then. 
Kevin or someone talks me off the ledge, and I'm like, okay, well, it, you know, it's a little better, <laughs> yeah. you know. Look, look, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm the same. Like my natural instinct is to yeah. think that as well. I mean, I think like, you know, I've been a journalist for all these many years. You know, like there's a natural cynicism built into absolutely everything yeah. you see, and so I do have to talk myself back down from that somewhat. Yeah. Um, but it's easy to be negative about this sort of stuff and, sh- and rip this stuff down, where it's the people that are actually trying to do stuff and build stuff up. Um, I think, you know, they, they probably deserve a bit of credit along the way. Um, could it have been better? Yeah, absolutely. It could have been better. Was it impressive? Yeah, I mean, it was in, an incredibly profess- impressive performance by Jan Fredino. And I think particularly it was all around the bike, wasn't it? If we look at the time yeah. splits on that thing, what did he bike? Three, three hours, yeah. 55? Because he didn't run hugely, he ran in 240s, didn't he? So he didn't run hugely quick and he still set a time of 7.27. But I mean, you know, that's another topic, isn't it? Look at the times, look at Joe Skipper. I mean, what's his yeah. last seven Ironman races? He's been, five of them have been under eight hours. Uh, the times are just coming down and down and down. Yeah, so, and it's yeah. the new normal, wasn't it? Like I... I... Remember when Crowley yeah. went 803 yeah. in Kona and the world almost stopped, you know, and now it's like, you know, and it's like, <laughs> shit, you won't even get in the top 10, Crowley. Um, you know, like it's... Exactly. You might, yeah, you won't even be leading age group at the way it's going. <laughs> yeah. Some uber age grouper who's got, you know, more time on his hands than he knows what to do with. Yeah, yeah. Or even Crowley won't win his age group. I mean, that's how... <laughs> it's, it's, it's so... Yeah. It's no, gone it's so quickly. Point. Like I just, the times, and then... I don't know. You kind of just forget what it was like that you know to do an eight fifteen, and you know, and go, oh, eight fifteen was the winner. You just forget that yeah. that's what was the yeah. normal, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like rolling it back to the Pete Jacobs era, isn't it? Didn't he win on a quite? It wasn't a particularly quick time when he won. He was around at eight fifteen, eight twenty. Yeah, he heart, he ran it? to. I reckon yeah. he ran to forties three years in a row when he was winning. Um, and then he finally cracked uh-huh. that last one. Uh-huh. Um, and then, yeah, yeah it was Rayliard, I think, was second. Yeah. Um, that made, that was the funniest day. Like, we were out on the – where was I? I was, I don't know, all over the course that day. But then we commentated – I did Ironman Live for WA in that same year. And I remember him coming into the – he was there and he was doing some sponsor stuff, I think. And it really – look, Pete was unreal with us. He gave us so much access. He was a, a really, really good world champion for, for our website. We loved him. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but then, you know, as he was running, he starts walking and this dude was next to him and clearly American – um, yelling out at the top of his voice, eat the pain, eat the pain. He's like yelling that shit at, at him from about a meter. Um, if that had been me, I would have turned around and punched him fair in the mouth. But Jacob starts running again and everyone's like, yeah, you know, and then I think Macca was out there on a mountain bike giving him what for and, you know, like seriously, he got a lot of – but he walks, he walks the aid station. And everyone goes, oh, he's stuck. Has he always done that? Did he always yeah. do that? Yeah, and he gets to the top of Polani and everyone's like, oh, he's walking. I'm going, well, that's what he does all the time, you know. But such yeah. a unique – we used to call him the albino tiger because he was such a unique character. Yeah, you know? I remember that. Um, and then all this shit. Yeah, phenomenal athlete. Yeah. It just stopped. Really, didn't it? I mean, it's – could be brutal about yeah. it. I mean, it was pretty much the last good race yeah. he ever had. And then he, you know, there was a whole lot of diet stuff, and you know, I don't know. Look again, I'm, 
I don't know the inside word by any stretch, but it's just it's it's amazing how much talent that he had. Do you reckon that have you ever gotten trouble from an athlete for describing their performance in a triathlon as shit or as bad, or have you ever been checked off by someone? No, but it I don't think I have, but you're right, it's a good point and it should be called out yeah. when it's shit. If it's shit, yeah. just say it's like, shit. <laughs> you know, because it, it just raises the whole level. Like if we can't, if we if we can't call a spade a spade, or if we can't be critical about this thing, then it's almost like it's just we're at a place where it's just participation. We're just we're just cheerleading for the sport, and we're not. There's no objectivity, yeah. right? And and that's not what you really want, especially when you've got a broadcast that runs for eight yeah. plus hours. Um, it can't just be congratulatory backslapping the whole time. It just doesn't, just doesn't, doesn't sit true, right? Not everyone's going to have a great day. Um, but yeah, calling out someone. I mean, I think the thing what you tend to, you tend to do, Phil, is because you you focus so much in reporting on the winners, yeah. right? And then the losers kind of yeah. get forgotten. Um, I mean, I was thinking about it just recently, like this Ironman seventy point three worlds. The British women obviously had a phenomenal day. I don't know how many of them were in the top mm. 10, but a whole bunch of them. The British men had absolute stinkers. I have no idea what happened, but I haven't actually even like looked into it. But, you know, it goes quiet. But George Goodwin was down in something like, and this is a guy that had primed his whole season on this race. He was down in around like 40th. He was way out of the back. I think Elliot Smells, the other British guy who went there, just, just, I don't think, I think he dropped out. I mean, yeah, I mean, you'd have to call out those performances. I mean, obviously look into them to find out if there was a problem, if there was a mechanical or something like that first. But but yeah, if it's a crap performance, it's a crap performance. And I think sometimes those guys would be the first ones to put their hands up and say it was yeah, terrible. Yeah, I don't think you're calling him a bad per- That See, that's what cracked me. You know, like I got, I got called a few times by managers and stuff going, oh, this wasn't their A race and stuff like that. And I'll be sitting there going, I'm not calling them, you know, a, a, a bad person. I'm just saying their race on the weekend in front of everybody was garbage. Our mantra used to be that if you don't want to be commented on, then be an age grouper because we'll leave you alone. But <laughs> if, you, <laughs> yeah. if you're a pro, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, I watch a lot of NFL at the moment, um, and man, they end careers like every day and they'll just say, oh, that Phil Rockner, he dropped this pass and he's garbage and he should be out and kick him in. They, I was watching these three dudes today sitting around trashing this player. I was just thinking, God, if I mm-hmm. got a little panel together and sat around and trashed athlete, whoever, imagine the crap I would get in triathlon for doing something like that. It would be huge. But I, if the sport's going to grow, as you said, I think they've got to just – you got to suck it up, you know, as a pro. Otherwise, be an be an age grouper, then you'll get left alone. Yeah, there's there's certainly a vibe within the sport where it's like people people enjoy the sport, come into the sport, and even at a pro level where they all want to be supportive of one another. Like there's there's definitely yeah. that section, yeah. I think, um, you, and you certainly see that. I mean, in the sort of I suppose Super League with with what Mac is trying to do in trying to encourage some rivalry there. Obviously, the Collins Cup, the idea behind that, that it was all built, it was all built yeah. on rivalry. Um, and they managed to, I know I said you and, you and Kevin were chatting about it, weren't you? They managed to get a bit of smack talk going between some of the athletes. Some of it was genuine. I think, you know, some of it was kind of made up. Some of it was tongue in cheek. But there was some, some, some stuff where there's no love lost there. 
Um, but yeah, at the moment, if from a reporting perspective, like pitching in and saying, this is crap. I don't know. It, maybe it's because, maybe it's because it's like, you obviously can make tactical mistakes, but fundamentally it's around like, it's a straight line sport, right? So it's, you, what, it's if you're having a bad day, you're just having a bad day and you don't, and maybe there's a feeling that you just don't need to be told that you're mm. having a bad day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're missing a penalty, if you miss a goal or whatever, or you have a choke moment. And I appreciate that can happen in triathlon. But fun, but normally, the, the, I suppose, and it's one reason why people love the sport so much is that it's the person who's in the best shape on yeah. the day wins. And you are allowed to be crap. Like you are allowed to just, you know, yeah. and I, I yeah. used to love um, like guys like Josh Hamburger and stuff who would just give you the play-by-play. And, you, you know, he'll just go, oh, yeah, crap, yeah. I was crap today. I didn't have a good one or, you know, and those guys were unreal to listen to because they would just give it to you. Tim Reeves, another one who never, you know, and I'm, I'm just referring to the Aussie guys who we would cross paths with a lot. You know, Burkle, those guys are, yeah. you know, that whole um, cartel up in uh, Ballina way up that way up north, they're fantastic because they all, uh-huh. they don't sugarcoat anything. If they have a shocker, they just go, you know. Um, I remember, was it Melbourne? I mean, Melbourne, the second one they ran where Burkle came across the line and just said, you know, Mike Riley's doing the interview. Was it Riley? Someone's on the, on the you know, the venue commentator. And he turned around him and just said, why would you do this for a living? You know, that was his comment. Because um, <laughs> he'd run his, you know, run his ass off. And I think Dirk Bockle might have got him that year. Um but yeah. yeah, that was his comment, and, and I think that's really cool. And I think you know, the sport is still very young in how it perceives itself, and still very young in how it approaches performance. And as you know, the writers in it, and yeah. you're you're at the sharp end of the the the, the bunch here. I'm not anymore. Um, but you know, we still comment on races, and I, I still, if you're not good, you're not good. Yeah, you've got me thinking about like when you know when when a fuck up's happened and, and that type of thing. Now, you know, my experience, if you speak to the Brownies, for example, who obviously had such a phenomenal record over the years, they would always Alistair particularly would always call things straight. You know, if he had a bad race, which obviously was relatively rare, he would always just just call it out as what it was. And that was good. And every time you've interviewed him, he would always give you a straight answer. Yeah. And always does. Which it, which is which was which was always good. I think perhaps the only thing he wasn't straight on was the dunking in the Leeds. Uh, did you see in the Leeds WTS WTCS this summer? When it's like it's just a it's just the sport. I'm like okay, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I, you know, I think that was uh, probably a little bit more. Uh, let's say premeditated, but certainly uh, yeah. more deliberate at the time. Anyway, he, he got DQ'd, and and that was that. Um, but in terms of in terms of like qualifying for the Olympics this time, so we had we had a lad here, and he wasn't the only one to do this. But Tom Bishop got sent to race in five different races in you know five weeks, almost in five different continents, to try and qualify this third place for the Great Britain men's team because it was the Aussies actually. The Aussies, you were the only ones that got three spots right for the men's. Yeah, and the did women's. A, such a great such a great job too. Ironically, yeah, ironically compared to how it turned out. But um, but but speak. But Tom has been very candid in the fact that. They just made they just made a mess of it. They just made a mess of him chasing these points around the world. The racing, he, you know, he wasn't in the shape. I think, to be honest, the training wasn't where it needed to be. And he's been pretty upfront about this. 
And then in the end, the Great Britain's men only got those two slots. So that was, they, they were calling themselves out there, but effectively, yeah, like, there were mistakes made. And uh, I guess I guess the thing is you just pick yourself up and learn Yeah, and, and federations are just as bad. <laughs> I mean, Triathlon Australia and, you know, Triathlon Canada at the moment. And, you know, there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. yeah. yeah. It's just. Yeah. I mean, trying to find that, follow that Triathlon Canada story was such a saga. And I'm still not entirely sure we've got to the bottom of it all now. I know Kevin's been doing a decent job. Oh, he's, like, he's hiding in bushes, that bloke. Some of it, yeah. But, so. Kevin's, he's got the full ghillie yeah. suit on yeah. running around, hiding in bushes. Um, he's chasing hard. <laughs> chasing hard is our man, Kevin. Um, it's interesting, though, the, you know, you see sort of that transition, though, isn't it? Like, we've sort of in this period of time now where, you know, the, the PTO have finally got their act together. Um, the new regime, Sam Renouf and, and that lot, um, Charles Adamo, etc. Um, I'm naming names. I know they don't like to be yeah. named, but I'm naming names. Um, yeah, well, the, yeah, exactly. exactly. I think, yeah. though, like, they're a lot more, you know, are you a triathlon organisation or are you a race director? Like, what's the hybrid there seems to be for mine interesting, you know, the fact that you've got one arm running races, the other arm trying to, you know, hand out some maternity leave and look after athletes during COVID mm-hmm. times, et cetera, which I think, you know, hey, they were present, weren't they? They were there. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. your perception of where that's that's heading? Well, I think there's a few things. Firstly, you know, and they've said this a number of times, but it's, this is, it's the long-term investment, all right? It's at least five to seven years, should we say? Um, because that keeps the question is when, you know, the question keeps coming up, like when's yeah. the money going to run out? When's the money going to run out? And I think we do, I heard actually David Tilbury Davis on, the, I think it was about another podcast, but he, he said, he was like, look, this is like, like Mike Moritz investment in this is, is for him. It's like the equivalent of buying a first class train ticket, you know, with he's talking the, the, the money that we're dealing. Yes. It's, it's, it's monstrous for, for professional yeah. triathlon. But in terms of real world money, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's barely anything. So we have to have some context around this, that there's patience, that they're in, they're in this investment for the long term. Um, and hence, we should see what happens next year in terms of the events that, that roll out. I think when they say that they're not a competitive Ironman, it now feels, well, it feels a bit disingenuous. Yes. You know, they are clearly putting on events and they clearly want to put on more events, right? And if, if they get their way, then they'll, they'll have the Collins Cup. They'll have four majors. They'll have, you know, four pro-ams. And all of these pro-ams, we can say, oh, they're not competitive. They're still going to want their athletes to be there, right, present and turning up and yes. racing for them. You know, and these are the, as we, and as we've seen, it's, it's, it's top-heavy, so it's the best triathletes in the world that they'll want. So if you're putting on all of these events, how much time does that give these people to then go and race two Ironman World Championships next year? And then what happens to the you know the, the rest of the races that they potentially want to do as well? So I think they are they are in that sense. I think there's certainly some some of the athletes are let's say I mean some of them are haven't spoken out too much, and you can see why. That. I think they, they they feel conflicted, right? So they're very very grateful for the support, but initially they thought it was going to be an athlete led organisation. Mm. And they don't feel it necessarily is. Yeah. Okay. So all the, the money at the moment, the Collins Cup money, the rankings money, um, is all going to the top, you know, twenty. And you can argue that's fair, but it's super skewed at the moment towards those guys. 
And even now, you look when they've done the end of year ranking. So one example would be, let's say, mm-hmm. Taylor Nib. So she only qualifies for the end of year rankings, I think, by virtue of the fact that they've included the Collins Cup race as rankings points for the end of year, which is another $2 million. So had she not done the Collins Cup and had they not, or had they not included Collins Cup in the end of year rankings, she wouldn't be in the PTO rankings yeah. at all. Yeah. But she's, but because they did, she now sits in third place. Which is kind of laughable. You're following me. You know, when... It, 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 well, it, it is if you're if you're an athlete in fortieth place, for example, and you're going, well, I, hey, I didn't have a chance yeah. to race in the Collins Cup. Why is that event? Why is that event? And why are those rankings points counting towards the end of year rankings? Then, then potentially you've got a legitimate grievance around that. Um, but I think it just it just shows potentially how the PTO are leaning towards some of the uh, at the moment currently are it's a top heavy investment in terms of the athletes but then they will argue that they need those athletes on board to make this thing fly do don't you i mean like you know uh, i think you do yeah i mean i can say yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not saying they're wrong in that that they have to get the Daniela Reese and they have to get the anfordinos buying into what they're trying to do otherwise the whole thing exactly and we we wrote this i reckon for four years, five years ago, we looked at surfing and looked at what the pro tour has done, mm-hmm. you know, um, and how good it is now. You know, they said no more shit surf events, no more small wave rubbish. We're going to go into good places. We're going to, you know, make sure that we've got qualifying. We've got the proper guys in the events that we need to, that we have the good Brazilians versus the good Americans versus the good Hawaiians versus the good Australians um, mm-hmm. every single week that we do this and it's, you know, it's the PGA model, which is clearly where the road, you know, the, the PTO looking at as well. It's like, okay, let's get, yeah, let's exactly. get everyone in there. Exactly. Let's have yep. the best racing, the best every, or, you know, surfing against the best and now triathlon racing against the best. Otherwise it falls down and Macca got it. I reckon, and you and I both um, got on this thread with him. I, I reached out to him and, you know, having known him for, you know, a number of years, um, I can recall, and I don't think you'll mind me telling this story that, you know, he, we had this conversation. I don't even know why we were talking, but we were chatting on the phone and he was telling me about this concept of Super League. Um, and he, we grew up watching the Tui's Blue, which was literally Super League um, without the teams. Yeah, for, Formula One yeah, type you know, series. Yeah. In Australia, yeah. it was red hot because yeah. Brad Bevan, Welsh, Miles Stewart, you know, all those guys, Emma Carney, were all there smashing it up every single event. It was unreal. And Welshie and Brad Bevan in Australia were household names. And he grew up watching that like I did. We were the similar vintage. Of course, we've both got, you know, between us, we've got world titles and stuff. We've had good careers. Um, but he um, he was telling me about this. And what he did, you know, I'm going to buy these athletes for a month and I'm going to go, right, let's do this. And I think that's a really, really cool idea. It just, it's over now. We saw Malibu last weekend, but Jesus, you know, it's got, it had, had some legs for that month, didn't it? Yeah, they got it right, didn't they? And this is, I think this is what they've been trying to do and they've probably been frustrated in the last couple of years is to, to get the calendar locked in. They got it locked in for Super League September yeah. this year and it worked perfectly. So then people can go, well, yeah, we, we can enjoy that again next season. We know when it's coming and we'll, we can look yeah. forward to it. I think it. And I think it did work. So I was at the London event um, 
from Docklands. And it's great to see it, you know, up firsthand. It's great. So it's all over in, you know, two, three hours. But two, three hours, you're right there. You're right up close. You can have a beer. You can watch it. You can enjoy it. The sun was shining. Everything was everything was great. There's thrills, there's spills. It's fab. But they'd introduced the team concept for the first mm-hmm. time for that race. So I was there trying to cover it. And because the, because the teams, well, what have you got? You've got like yeah. the rhinos and the eagles. But they don't mean anything at that yeah. point, do they? Okay, and it's like who's who's racing for which team? Are they going to help each other? Do they care? Are they not just racing individually? Like the whole teams thing was so new and just kind of so layered on over the top. Then I don't think anyone really understood in that first race. But by the time we got through to Malibu, it started to make a bit more sense. I think you saw like Hayden Wild. He was almost he had like a domestique. I think it was maybe Velasca, um, who was kind of almost riding for for Hayden to try and get him. Uh, Game of you know whatever it was win the short yeah. shoot or something as, as the kind of first out bike transition and so it, it starts to get embedded and I think if you come in next season with the team concept people will understand it more and then there'll also be so it's, the, the question is like do you revise it all again so do you jumble up all the teams or do you, or does it not matter but all of these things that they're trying to innovate I think are great but then also it needs to come to a point where the innovation needs to be bedded down so we understand it and so therefore it starts to build a bit more yeah. of a legacy yeah. as well yeah you know i agree yeah so he's got to stop doing um, shit <laughs> next year <laughs> at some point at some point they've got to say we've got it to where we want it to be we, we can stop we can stop tweak it. well i suppose they're going to forever tweak it but they can say actually we've got this right like the short shoot was a good example this time because in the earlier races there was a bit of debate over it where it looked like it's going to be a great sprint finish between Johnny Brownlee and Vincent Louis. And then Vincent Louis goes through the short shoot and it's race over, right? And it's race done. And that sprint finish that you were looking for was, yeah. you were denied. Now, obviously the argument the other way is, well, having this, having the opportunity to win the short shoot at the start of the race, that makes, that gives some meaning to the first part of the race. So then it makes sense, right? And it's, a, it's a nice innovation. It's a, it's a good thing, but it kind of doesn't quite work. And so by the time they got to Malibu, they were putting the short shoot. I think we mentioned this on the thread. We put the short shoot earlier in the lap. And then it, I think Martin Van Riel took it, but then he got ran down and then it turned into a really yeah. good sprint finish. So it was just tweaking and, and moving things around. But yeah, I guess at some point they'll, they'll be like, yep, yeah, we've got this correct. And, um, and, and yeah, you know, and, and, and let it fly. But the way they're doing it, four weeks, pack it into a month. Yeah, thumbs up. Yeah, and good I effort. like too the fact that he got, you know, he got support from some of the good guys as well. You know, there was some good, very good athletes racing. Um, Alex Yee. Yeah, oh, he got them all. Oh, George Taylor-Brown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Got the two Olympic champions lobbing in there and – a hundred percent, yeah. He, he got the best, but he also even even you know he got the be- he got the Olympic champion as, as wild cards, right, for the final race. So they had the pull and the draw, and you so you could compare um, Will Triathlon put on the Hamburg event in September, which clashed with the Jersey event for Super League. But the athletes were contracted, like you said a minute ago. Macker had bought them for a month, right? Give me a month, I'll buy you for a month. And so they stuck with him. They went to Jersey. They didn't ditch it and go to Hamburg because Hamburg's, as, again, as you know, is, is, has been the biggest, I, I suppose you could argue about Leeds, but it's been probably the biggest event on the World Triathlon Series for yeah. the past decade. And yeah, it was it was a, effectively like a, a second-rate affair. So, so people now, race organisers, World Triathlon, all that kind of thing, of, you know, I know they've all got to look at this. And we talked about this last week with Kevin was just about the calendar and making sure. And again, COVID does, it's thrown up weird things. But 
He's got that month out of those athletes. And if I'm a pro athlete and I'm, you know, slogging away at the world triathlon and, you know, it's, you know, there's never ending chase for points in the Olympic years and all that kind of thing. And it's, this is a really bright light for me and something that I would want to get involved in and, and start to, to do more of, um, and to get involved in, because I know for a month I'm going to, you know, I'm contracted, which is going to pay me. And that's what I think too. We're starting to see a lot more in, in triathlon of these sorts of things. Obviously we've talked to the PTO and what they're doing and um, we're looking at them supporting races and, and prize money being more significant. And now, you know, you've got these contracted months where you can get a full month and it's almost like that, you know, you get another couple of things working and you start becoming one of those IPL guys, you know, where, you know, American people won't get this, but yeah. you know, you're playing T20 in three countries a year, four countries a year. Um, doing six week yeah. stints at diff, you know, and playing for different teams around the world. There's something about that sort of model where you're contracted for periods of time, which would make sense. I think it would make sense if you competed in the World Triathlon Series um, up through, and then they had the grand final at the end of August, and then those that those that wanted to, or those that they you know were. It, I suppose we're, were riding high enough, got the invite to Super League and they ran Super League through September or even fractionally into October. And I think that would do. And that could that would that would work well as the short mm. course season. And then people could have a people could then have a I don't know how this sits with you down under <laughs> in terms of your summer. But um for you know, from kind of a normal northern hemisphere perspective, then having that break into winter and then kicking up again at the in, in, in the start of the well, in spring the following year would well, make sense. You know, those, the things that are, I think, going for them as well is the fact that you can recover from those races. You know, I remember back in the back in the day, the, you know, the Ironman World so the Ironman World Series where they had like six Ironman races around the world. Um, and guys like mm-hmm. Tinley and Browning and those guys all went around and raced like these multiple Ironman races. And then by the end of the year, they must have been half dead. Um, you know, these races you can recover from. I mean, and you could seriously think about doing a, you know, an APAC version of that, you know, in, you know, as a, even mm-hmm. early season tune-up for the Northern Hemisphere guys, the, you know, APAC athletes who are training through summer and racing through summer have something as well. Again, it's that model that you can drop into various areas because you're only taking a month. You know, you're not taking, you're taking four mm-hmm. weeks. It's racing every week. It's fast. And as you said, it's got a lot to it it's got to sit properly in the course of the calendar because you don't want to be detracting, like you said, from Hamburg or you don't want to be taking away from the world triathlon, which has obviously been a staple for so many years. And Ironman's screwed too, because yeah. you can't keep backing up. Remember, I mean, you know, who backs up from 70.3 races that well? Cam Worth's one of them. Probably last guy I knew doing it so well was Bazzoni, who could back up week in, week out. But even those guys have a limit. Mm-hmm. And that's why the USTS races mm-hmm. back in, you know, 1571 were so good because they were Olympic mm-hmm. distance and guys could get back or, you know, they could continually be on tour as it were. I think the Ironman distance mm-hmm. is a tricky one to do anything with other than have those standalone special events. It's a difficult one, yeah, and I think the PTO are realising that that distance is difficult for many reasons, not just the athletes, but also the broadcasting. Because, look, the PTO was initially to set up to help Ironman athletes, right? It really was for the full-distance guys who they, 
there was nothing yeah. there for them. That was the the initial, and and now what we saw with the Collins Cup, it's actually a kind of hybrid 100k distance where it kind of favours people st- stepping up as well from from um, Olympic distance. So yeah, and so does it? Let's say a I don't know who let's pick on someone who raced at the weekend, someone like Ben Hoffman. It, it, as you move forward with the PTO events, a Ben Hoffman who's who's been you know on the podium a couple of times in Kona, and I appreciate he's probably coming towards the, the sort of end of his his career anyway. But is there much for him from a PTO yeah. side? You know, because it's like how's he? He's, how, he's not going to go great at hundred hundred kilometer events. So I think that is a that is definitely a challenge. They're talking about one of these majors throwing in like a two hundred k bike ride and making it every day uh, two hundred k bike ride. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, like the old Abu Dhabi long course yeah. race, um, and doing it that way, and 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 perhaps that could perhaps that could happen. But yeah, you're you're right. I mean, how many Ironman do you want to do a year? I mean, the best do what three mm. max, but then they're not racing multiple seventy point threes. No, um, around that, and, and that is the problem. So that, that that's a challenge, yeah. isn't it? That's the challenge. Yeah, because we're all at the moment, all we're seeing are people talking about more and more races on the calendar. No one's saying actually uh, there's some value in the scarcity and if we could just get these races in at the right time this is why it would be so great if the pto and ironman you know would come together but <laughs> we can have a lot but when you go that. and try and buy them um, and they tell you to get stuffed and then you run off and go and do this uh, yeah exactly it doesn't look good at the moment does it i think there's some bridges there's some bridges to be <laughs> between those two organisations. They just sat there with a big box of matches yeah. and just started yeah. throwing them at every bridge they could find. Uh, I think that's probably right. Yeah. And look, I, I, like, I mean, yeah. that part of that was, I found that just funny, you know, like we'll buy you and that, I just think that was funny. Um, it's kind of like just swaggering, swaggering around <laughs> with the bills, you know. Um, but, you know, the, the move to Kona to three days, um, we're finally going to get, in my mind, a an honest age group women's event. Am I right in saying that? You reckon? Should do. Um, you know, the two day racing, as was shown with the seventy point three worlds when they made the switch. There's a lot of positives mm. for that, you know, um, and there's not many negatives. I mean, there was a net. So, in terms of the Ironman seventy point three at Utah a few weeks ago, that turned into a bit of a bum situation for the for a lot of the women age groupers because when they decided to cancel the Friday's racing and put the women on the same on the same day as the men, a lot of the travel plans. And we're talking age group here. A lot of the a lot of the people had booked flights for Saturday afternoon yeah. out, and it just ruined their entire. You know, and so the, the 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 women were effectively the sacrificial lambs in this thing. Um, however, you know that's if we ha- if we do have the two days of racing, yeah, you would think so, right? Because you, you spread the people out yeah. on the course. The, pr- the women pros go off first; they're gone. Then you get the faster age groupers, and then the whole thing just goes not should just play out. It should. I, I've long um, been the of the believer that. Kona is for a proper world championship for about 600 people. I reckon six, eight, 700 people. Because, you know, the how the roll downs yeah. used to work and things like that. And you'd be, have some guy sitting there at Ironman nowhere going, I did 14 hours and I got into Kona because no one I went to wanted to do it, you know. 
So it's not a true, <laughs> you know, if there yeah, was a time yeah. limit for each age group that you had to qualify, then it would be a true world title. It's not. It's a free-for-all and a bucket list tick. So there's probably, I don't uh-huh. know, there's probably 600 men and women who can go, you know, is age, you know, in the age groups we're talking about. So the yeah. women always get caught by the men, the fast swimmers, you know, now they're starting to stagger the start, et cetera. It's all just a bit messy. What it's going to miss, though, is yeah, that yeah. magical Kona finish line that puts everybody in that marathon together when there's not a lot of advantage. Um, and, you know, run, standing there at the finish line, and if you've never seen a Kona finish line, I don't think there's anything like it. I just don't. I don't think there's anything like the, you know, I know Roth and I know bigger races around the world are um, – you know, they are wonderful, but there's nothing like Kona. And it's the ace in the hole yeah. that Iron Man's always had is that they know that Kona is Kona and there's something magical about it and blah, blah, blah. But you're going to sort of have – it's sort of yeah, that UCI model of a couple of days. Are you going to miss that final sort of, you know, um, finish line? I don't know. I don't know if you are, or, do you, or maybe you just get it twice. I mean, you're just going to have the one. You're just going to have the one gender on the course, aren't you? That's the that's the only thing. So I I don't necessarily think you will miss it. I think on this, like you were saying about the keeping the numbers down to make it true and fair racing, I think that's where the temptation could be that these numbers start to rise. For you get you get two days of racing, so you just start putting more and more people yeah. on the course. Um, particularly if we get if if the whole world starts to open up and everyone starts traveling mm-hmm. again, I think that's potentially the danger. Although quite how that works in terms of accommodation, I'm not sure because if it's a Thursday or a Saturday race, and you know people are just there's not pe- people are staying there right at the same time, aren't they? It's not like it's two weeks apart. Yeah. So again, that becomes I suppose a question mark in terms of in terms of the logistics of the island itself. Well, I mean, and the UCI um, did it successfully. Generally, I think it's a good move, yeah, though. Yeah, I think the UCI did it successfully, right? They run those multiple days and they go through all the disciplines and things like that. We've just seen it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that, and how good was Flanders, though, watching that? That was amazing. Um, them Flemish mm-hmm. really noting, mm-hmm. get behind a... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was like a... So they say it was like a music festival. Yeah, time, I, I, I saw Paris-Roubaix... Yeah. Um, years ago when I was over there and I it was the most amazing experience not only because an Aussie won that was the year I Grady won um and I had put uh-huh. 100 euro on him so I was very excited <laughs> as soon as uh, I, I thought you know what if he's gonna if Cancellara goes down this kid's in anyway um it, but yeah they mm-hmm. are really good events the the coverage this the coverage should be better because the coverage generally is pretty spotty and, and I've done mm-hmm. Ironman Live, I think, four times. And everybody in the digital world believes that as the commentator, you're in charge of the cameras, which is yeah. patently bullshit. Yeah. You sit in a production meeting yeah. and someone says to you, we've got two cameras to cover the men. You sit there going, oh, Christ, how are you going to do that? And we've got one mm-hmm. camera to cover the women and you sit there going, oh, I'm just waiting for the tweets. Um <laughs> and then, you know what? When I did Melbourne, I remember doing Melbourne one year, and they cut off. Buck stops with you, mate. They cut off the women's event after the first woman came across the line. They didn't wait for the podium. Oh my god! The shitstorm that happened on Twitter afterwards. 
And people are like, why did you cut the cameras off? I'm like, yeah, I actually don't do much with the cameras. I'm the monkey talking out the front. I don't do a thing with this. Anyway, <laughs> hopefully the coverage is better though, right? Hopefully we get more and better and more invested in deeper coverage. Surely that's got to be a byproduct. The coverage is improving, isn't yes. it, across the board? I know we, I know, I know we've been um, critical, and I know we were highly critical of what they did at the Collins Cup. But if you even look at the Ironman Facebook, what are they calling it? Facebook now? Yeah, Facebook this week they call it, they're calling it. Exactly, it's definitely it improving. Um, now, it could, yes, of course, it could always be better, but you'd have to hope by the time we come around to this time next year in, in Hawaii, and. And there's there's few excuses, right? When there's two two days of racing, you should be able they should be able to cover yeah, that and it, yeah, and yeah. And if you've got say four motos that were going to be split between the men's and the women's, you just put them all into the one race, and you've got four different motorbikes covering what's happening. So you see a lot more, which you would hope. Yeah. Um, yeah. Know, and they put it in. I mean, the Collins Cup coverage was. I honestly thought there was going <laughs> to it's going to be a fight for the microphone. <laughs> microphone. Um, <laughs> I, I I commentated a race one time, and this is no shit, where a certain person was ordered off the – because it was all venue commentary at that point. It wasn't Ironman Live. But a certain person was ordered yeah. off the tower by another person who – because they were just trying to grab the mic all the time. And it was just – it was, a shit, it was the, literally get off the freaking tower. Um, you, you're just causing havoc. Like – yeah, trying to separate a triathlon commentator from their microphone. <laughs> you do it at your own risk. Yeah, to be honest, I could a little bit of fisticuffs in the in the, in, in the call room probably would spice up some of these races. <laughs> so uh, I wouldn't be adverse to some of that. No. To be fair, the, the Collins Cup they tried to do the uh, the cricket thing, like the te- well, we test match special over here, but where you have like a revolving team of commentators. Yeah. So you so you got a team on for an hour and then forty five minutes, and then the next team comes in. So I suppose one was led by Phil Lee, one was led by Barry Shepley, and it, it just didn't it didn't work. What they needed to do. Um, as Greg Benny said to me, it's like, look, even on my downtime, I'm not switched off from the racing. I'm still, I'm still there. I'm still watching it. So I might as well, in some ways, just be in the in the mic booth the entire time. Um, what they should have done was just probably, you know, if they were going to have that many commentators, they should have had them dedicated to different matchups. So they knew absolutely everything that was going on in a particular yeah. match, and then they could have had a really good anchor who could have then gone to match one, match two, match five, whatever it was, and where the action was happening. And if they had someone on point with the camera direction as well, uh, I think that was, yeah, they, they missed a beat with that. But they know that. They know all of this. So I'm sure it's going to be Oh, 100%. Next I, Liggett was not not great either, I'll be honest. I mean, we're going to call performance. Let's call it. It wasn't great. Um, yeah, he just didn't know his no. stuff, did he? And that's just, I mean, it was a big ask, I guess, for the guy and. And I suppose that raises the question also in terms of, yeah, if you're going to bring it outside outside to a point, people like that, then it's, what is the briefing process? How do you familiarise them with the athletes yeah. before it starts? How do you get them really understanding like what is happening? Um, and you can't just throw someone in on the hop. Um, you, you have to understand it. Because for a first time out, it was pretty damn complicated. Oh, 100%. You know? And he's, look, Liggett's Liggett, right? Like the guy is, you know, above the sport of cycling, but he's not – Anyway, he uh-huh. wasn't. He was anchoring ABC stuff in triathlon in the 80s or early 90s. And uh-huh. then that was it. He hasn't yeah, touched it yeah. since, you know. 
And yeah. I don't know. I mean, yes, he's a name and yes, he's the voice, but yeah, it was a bit of a miss, I reckon, um, on him. Again, byproduct, the the new version of this, um, what we're going to see in, um, next year in, in, you know, in Kona and, and these multi-day approaches, um, it'll be interesting to see what and who shows up early in the early season too, you know, to Utah, what, what they're going to do there. In terms of the commentary, well, in terms of athletes, in terms of well, commentary. you know, like who's, oh, who would, I mean, yeah. who, who's, mm. who's going to go, like who's going to go and then do you win the world title and then you have it for four months, five months, and then you go again? Mm-hmm. Is that? I think as it stands at the moment, it's still the big ticket. So for example, like Sanders was racing Chattanooga on the weekend and that he's now qualified for both races. Like Joe Skipper's now qualified for both races. And so I think for a lot of them, that'll be that'll be their A goal and their A goal next year will be Utah in the middle of the year and it'll be Kona at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, with sponsors and how much they have um, attached to performances around those events, I don't see that shifting in the next 12 months. I mean, it's like, it's not like, you know, what have the PTO got at the moment? They've only got the Collins Cup, right, the, currently, yeah. which which athletes are going to turn up and do whatever for, whatever form of fitness they're in because they are going to be, because they get paid on the appearance. And they're going to race hard, but they're going to be a paid appearance yeah. fee. And it's going to be in August. So they can just say, right, if I qualify for that, fantastic. And I'll just turn up. But they will be prioritising um, Utah and, and Kona, I would think. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, unless you've got, yeah, it is interesting. Unless you've got an athlete who maybe feels they can't double up. Um, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. Let's say, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It's like, who's got, who would, let's say someone who, because both courses are going to be hot as well, right? So conditions could be could be could be relatively similar or suit athletes of, of similar yeah. ilk. Yeah. Um, but there might be someone who just thinks, actually, I'm going to put all my eggs in, like a Tim O'Donnell, for example. You know, obviously he's had that that heart scare, hasn't he? But let's say he just puts all his eggs in, or Marinda Carfrey, if she's back racing, let's say puts all the eggs in one basket and says, right, I'm going to just bank on Kona at the in October, and everything is channeled to that, and I'm going to keep my head down for that. But otherwise, I see most of them say. Well, yeah, Utah becomes my, you know, middle of the season race, and uh, Kona becomes my end of the season, and so I'm, I'm in for the. I'm in yeah, for the, it's still. Yeah, I agree. Think? It's still the think? jewel in the crown, right? Like it's still. And I man yeah. knows it. Oh, yeah. I man yeah. knows it. Like all this Collins Cup and everything else, but they know that Kona's Kona, and forever. If you talk about doing an Ironman, everyone will tell you if you've done the one in Hawaii. You know that's kind of default question. So. They've got it, and they've always had it over challenge. They've always had it over everybody else because Kona's the you know the rock star of the world, and yeah, they've moved it for. Yeah, I think it only it only starts to change Phil when let's say the PTO rollout four majors. Let's say the PTO rankings are based on PTO yeah. events or hugely weighted yeah. PTO events, and then the sponsors start saying, "Well, well, actually, no, we can you know your performances at these events," and then then the needle starts to shift a little bit. Then. Yeah, you're right. Commercially, when it becomes, um, you know, cost prohibitive to be in Kona um, because you've got to go and race mm. A or you've raced A, B, C and D, then, yeah, that that's when you'll see a shift. But even then, you know, there's still that sort of romance attached. But I guess athletes are athletes now, aren't they? They're, they're commercially into it. Um, we've been rolling 
geez, 58 minutes. It's good stuff. Hey, um, I want to ask you one more um, because we gently like, – I want to ask you one quickly. I want to ask you one quickly, actually, around Kona. Do you, uh, would you be averse to it going biennial or every four years, the World Championships in Kona every four, and then rotating it the other three years? Wow. Because that's something that I think, I honestly think could work. Is it? But that's a big that's It a is, big isn't call. it? Like, see, hmm. that's the thing. Kona is so Kona. And if you've never been there, like a lot of athletes, pros will tell you it's just an expensive holiday because it's so freaking hard to get anywhere in there. And if you can't race in the heat, you've got no chance. So it automatically chops out a percentage of athletes. If you move it around, you open the door for other athletes to do what they can do. But it is so famous. It's just, you know, it, it would be really hard, I reckon, to try and move that away from something that happens every year just because of what it is, how legend it is, you know. What if you open a bidding process yeah. and you get <laughs> and that's that was that was floated somewhere during the I know and it's just like, you know what, money talks and bullshit rides the bus and this is exactly what it's gonna do, you know, is that someone's yeah. just gonna say, Hey, come over to us and we'll give you X amount and and you know, you are accountable to the shareholders and the bottom line and the ability to create revenue. And that's well, one of the key, well, yeah, one of the key uh, revenue drivers for the PTO is economic hosting. Yeah, right. So, yeah, so yeah. you know, whether the Collins Cup starts moving around from the three different different continents. Look, so that's that's a good if, look to me. Mm-hmm. To be honest, that's that's a good thing. Whew, it's kind of magic, man. It's um, God every year. I think I went to eight or nine straight, and it was just every year it was full on, so full on. Um, it is a good week though. As a journal, it's a funny week. It is a funny week. You work your ass off. You have to use dial-up internet and you, you know, <laughs> it's, it, it's so funny. I, you know, you, the morning getting down to the swim and I'm coming out of a Melbourne winter, which means no one needs to see me anywhere near the water until I'm actually in the water. So I found a sneaky way to get in because you had the moon tan working and everybody else looks ridiculously fit. It's a horrible time. Hey, Lucy Charles Barclay, <laughs> give me give me the 10 cent tour. Yeah. She, for mine, I picked her. Now, not a hard one to get, but I just said Reef was going down at the world titles. I didn't think she was going to go anywhere. And I think they've cracked uh-huh. it. I think they've cracked the code. Um, I also, to be fair to the world in general, I also predicted that Brownlee wouldn't win in London and I also predicted that Jorgensen wouldn't win her gold medal either. So my predictions are pretty much crap, but Lucy Charles Barclay for Mm -hmm. mine is the next big thing. Not that she's not already, but she is first world title. I think she's absolutely primed now to be all dominant. What in Paris twenty four? Whatever she wants to pick. What are you talking? You talking about Kona or Iron Man or what are you talking? Exactly. That is, she is so frighteningly talented. Okay, whatever. That's a a big show. Um, Well, so this this uh, Utah race was the first time she'd ever been to altitude to train, I believe. And uh, didn't it yeah. work well for her? Frightening. I mean, you know, if she didn't have enough tools in her armory already. She's the big show. Like, she <laughs> is triathlon's big show right now. Fredino is the best professional in the world by miles. But she is, I reckon, as good a professional, but without the resume built yet. 
Yeah, she's she's certainly. We've been saying. I mean, yeah, this has been an interesting discussion because she. We would. I was talking to uh, John Leveson about this in Slovakia about uh, in terms of like you, even UK female sports stars. We were like, if you were to pick, who would be up top at the moment for you over in, in this country? Yeah. And obviously, triathlon being such a sole sport, it doesn't get a look in. But at the time, you would be like, well, there's a sprinter, Dina Asher Smith, potentially her. And now I think that's been usurped by Emma yes. Raducanu after the US Open with the tennis, who's obviously come from nowhere and just blown everything out of the water. But actually, there's almost like if people, if outside of triathlon, people kind of latched on to what Lucy Charles Barkley was doing and what she's been doing all year in terms of, you know, the, the 1500 metres in the pool, the Super League Arena Games, you know, Ironman 70.3, European and, and world champion, fastest run, fastest bike, fastest swim. Um, three-time, you know, Ironman runner-up in, in Kona. Uh, yeah, I mean, and also the lead race as well. So it's just absolutely phenomenal kind of scope. And yeah, you think she could, you think she could probably do anything. I think for her, an, an idea would be to win an Ironman world title yeah. next year. And then I think her focus would be Paris. And everything about her good paris is definitely paris is definitely on yeah. the agenda is it's 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 you know this is certainly something that she is looking at now there's a huge there's huge strength in depth currently with uh women's short course racing in this country i mean we could go down we could probably do 10 reel off 10 names for you and none of them from tokyo even vicky holland hasn't necessarily stepped away yet um they're all still thinking and it's three years as well yeah. that's the other thing that's tempting them all it's it's it's, it's not the, the normal four-year olympiad it's it's only three years to go slightly cooler racing so they haven't got to do all the heat prep and then they hope they won't have to do all the self-isolation that they had the quarantine that they had to do for tokyo as well you would hope in three years um, got to- but lucy as we saw from the weekend she's gonna have to she's going to have to work on her bike skills <laughs> but but man <laughs> like it, it, She's the full. I'm no doubt she's the full package, though. You know, the social media game is ridiculous. The you know, you know oh, everything's yeah, yeah, curated. Yeah, yeah. It's all sorted out, and you know, it's just a very good team around her. I think she's obviously arrived with the world title, but you know, we could be talking about her for the next five years as this, you know, superstar in the sport. Absolutely, the best triathlete in the world. Um. I think, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's she's going to be the best swimmer for a, a while yet. Um, who I think who rivals her? I mean, Lucy Hall is a very good swimmer. Jess Learmonth is obviously a very very good swimmer. Um, but obviously, Lucy Charles Barkley has now has done it over all of these distances. I think for her, it's just what decisions she wants to make and where she wants yeah. to go next. That's probably going to be one of the most difficult things. We see Dan Lerang is now coaching her, isn't it? It's Fredino's coach. So. Um, yeah, he's the golden boy in terms of coaching him yeah, right now. And once you get into that sort of fold, um, you know, you get in under the tent, it certainly uh, certainly means that she's going to be, yeah. um, I don't know, she'll just be at the forefront of everything. And I hope, I don't love dynasties. I just don't love them in, you know, I've been saying this forever. I just, multiple winners of, of the same race is for mine, not that exciting. But watching someone emerge, uh-huh. And you know, pick up a world title and aim for the next one, and then you know, as we'll see her do it over various distances, that's the exciting thing. We're not going to see twenty wins in Kona, 
but we might see a gold medal and a world title in the Ironman. That's that's exciting. That's the story. You know, the fact that she's got so much talent to be able to go down um, and compete at that level would be amazing. Yeah, she also seems to you're sort of thinking that why is it that she's she gets to where she has done, and a lot of it's it's so much to do with attitude with her. I think she's has never seems afraid to give it a go whereas other athletes might be like backing out of a race to say well i'm not sure about this but you know throwing herself into let's say that olympic trials in, yeah. in the pool um or even or probably more scary throwing herself into that leeds wtcs yeah. race um which could have had she been swallowed up in a big bike pack i mean she's done none of that kind of sight riding before um and yet it worked out it works out yeah. well fast learner. um so yeah yeah exactly fast learner so, yeah, worlds are oyster, yeah. mate, at the moment. Yeah, mate, um, before we let you get on your merry way, and we appreciate your time, um, if you want to see Tim's work, um, just get him on the Twitter, at Tim Hemming, 1M. Uh, well worth a follow. Some good stuff coming up there. Um, do you have a celebrity for me you reckon could do an Ironman? Have you, you know? Oh, on, no, yeah, going back to that question. Circle back. Oh, no. Uh, circle back. <laughs> Oh, my God. So we know Kevin Hart was mentioned oh, once. Um, it's going to be my stable question. I do like it because, you know, I do like... Okay. You know. See, I reckon... Who have we, I, got? Who have we got? Throw some other well, names The Rock, me. you know, would Big Dwayne... Or is he too big to run a marathon? <laughs> yeah, he could lift an Ironman. Yeah, I don't know if he could actually good. run one. So, <laughs> no, I don't think he's going to... No, see, my hope is that one day that someone will tell someone this and then, you know... We'll be able to see what they can do. Um, you need someone kind of leanish, yeah. so maybe like I'm thinking Marvel Universe. You know, don't know, maybe. Yeah, I tell you who was Jensen Button yeah, was decent see, at triathlon, probably still is. And there's a few of those Formula One drivers that are good mm. at triathlon, but then, but I suppose they probably don't fit your celebrity box, do they? Because they're actually just sports. Yeah, oh, no, they can cross. They can cross in. See, would. Um, you know, Daniel Ricciardo, I reckon, would go all right. I reckon he'd be all right, F1 driver. No. Yeah, I know Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've watched some of that license. What's um, Drive that's to Survive? Good, some of that that's series. such a good <laughs> it's a, That's what triathlon no, needs to do, isn't it? That's what I think that's what they, they're trying to do with some it's of their podcasts. Uh, yeah, it's very good. Um, we're laughing at Ricciardo and all his, all his excuses he can no. come out with. Hey, he's he's back on the board though. <laughs> won a couple of weeks ago, but he's uh, he's back in town, our boy. <laughs> he did, um, did. Nice to see him there, um, mate. Well, um, I'll let you yeah. mull on that as we. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to. Sorry, <laughs> it might be a Twitter so, thing yeah, you can yeah. put up. Um, get on to Tim Hemming. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, fantastic, and thanks for spending a bit of time with us, mate. Obviously, uh, enjoyed your work. First time we've had a conversation. It's been a good one. Appreciate it. No problem. Yeah, it's really nice to chat, uh, Phil. And um, yeah, take care. Speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Try.